Welcome to Donnacloney Parish Podcast. If you want to know more information about the parish, how to support us, or for other social media, please go to www.donnacloneyparish.co.uk. Thank you. Well, today, as I said, I come with a heavy but a thankful heart. Thankful for all the memories. Thankful for all that God has done. Thankful for having the opportunity to be your rector uh, for just over 10 years. Uh, I am so thankful and grateful to you, the parishioners, who have allowed me to be part of your life. Uh, But ultimately to God, I am so thankful to God for his grace and mercy in keeping me whilst working with you and his grace and mercy in preparing me for uh, working in Drumglass. He is such a good God, such a loving God. As we've heard already, I'm going to be preaching about Christ's heart for the lost. um, And this morning we're going to be looking at Luke 15. And then tonight, we'll look at Luke 19 as we continue to see why that's so important to see Christ's heart for the lost. So let's praise God for his goodness and his grace. And let's thank him that he loves the lost. He loves to find the lost. And let's pray together as we open God's word this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to know you better. And in our broken and sinful state, that's something we're not worthy of. And because our life is limited and our mind is limited, it's not something we're capable of. But we thank you, Lord, that you have not left us in the dark. You've revealed who you are through your word, chiefly through your word, the Lord Jesus Christ, And so we pray that you would continue to do that now, that you'd help us to know you more and so to love you more and, Father, to see your heart for the lost. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a Christian preacher, uh, A.W. Tozer, once said, the most important thing about a person is what they think of when they think of God. The most important thing about a person is what they think of when they think of God of God. Here's the question. What do you think of? What do I think of when that word God comes into our minds? How do you imagine him? How do you see him? Well, this morning we're looking at one of the most familiar passages in the Bible, uh, a series of three parables all about the lost. That's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And I want God's word to do something for us. I want it to change how we, you and I, think about God. For he is more loving, more gracious, more good. Uh, He is better. He is more fantastic than you or I actually realize. And what a joy it has been to stand in this pulpit and in St. Patrick's pulpit and to teach that and to learn about that. You see, if the way we view God changes, that will mean the way we see ourselves will change. It will mean the way we see the world will change, and the way we see our purpose in life will change. And the big picture that I want us to see this morning, uh, the big overriding picture that I want us to see through Luke 15 is this. When a sinner repents, God rejoices. 
That's our two points this morning. When a sinner repents and God rejoices. You know the phrase. You can tell a lot about a man about the com- and the company he keeps. Well, as we get into this passage, you'll see the shock of the religious leaders by who Jesus is hanging around with. Verses 1 and 2, chapter 15 of Luke's Gospel. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners, in inverted commas, were all gathered around him to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Tut, tut, tut. And throughout this Gospel, you see Jesus eating with sinners. Tonight we're going to see him eat with another sinner, Zacharias, or Zacchaeus, should I say. And you might know that the tax collectors in first century Palestine were, they were really serious lowlifes. They would, uh, they were absolute scum. And I, and I don't want us to just take what, what was happening in the first century Palestine and throw it on to any official that works for Her Majesty's Refuge and, custom, refuse, uh, and cust, uh, Customs. Revenue Customs, sorry. Now, look, these tax collectors were really rich and powerful. And they got their money by selling out their own people. They ripped off the Jews, gave the money, well, took some of it for themselves, of course, but gave it back to the, Rom- the Romans, the Jewish enemy. So Jesus is hanging around with the sort of people that we would naturally call the scum of the earth. And as Jesus kept on doing this, the religious authorities had had enough. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They're grumbling. How can it be okay if Jesus is a holy man to hang around with these people? They're scum. And in response, Jesus tells three parables. And we're going to look at all of them. But actually... When we come to the parable of the prodigal son or sons, we're going to see the tax collectors and sinners. They're cast as the younger son in the parable. So turn to verse 11 in Luke chapter 15 and read this. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. So he divided his property between them. This younger son was saying to his Father, give me an inheritance now. Father, you're dead to me. In fact, I've just been wishing your death every day that I've been with you so that I can get my hands on the money. And you don't look like your budget. You look too healthy to me, so why don't you just give me the money now and drop dead whenever you like. Imagine how his father would have felt about that. Imagine the father handing over the money, broken-hearted. So verse 13, the son leaves his family behind. He travels to a far country, as we read about, and there he squandered to the lot in wild living. Not hard to imagine how that looks like. Many people do that today. One of Northern Ireland's own, George Best, once said he'd spent a lot of money on booze, women and fast cars, and the rest he just wasted. I guess the younger son would have done something like that. But then we come in verse 14 and reality starts to bite. There's a severe famine in that far off land. The money's gone. He becomes a slave in that country. And you can imagine those listening to Jesus draw breath as they hear about this Jewish boy who's now a slave feeding pigs and desperate to get his hands on the food that the pigs are eating. Absolutely vile, disgusting and richly impure. 
So this young man's now ritually unclean and he's starving to the point that he's looking for some pig food. This is a low ebb here. And I wonder, have you ever been to a pig's farm? Have you ever seen what pigs eat? They eat all the other stuff that nobody else wants. And yet this guy can't even get a handful of that. Verse 16, no one gave him anything. That's a picture of essentially a sinner. To have essentially said to God, you're dead to me, I'll take all the stuff you give me, obviously, but I want nothing to do with you. To have fun for a little while, maybe, but ultimately to find ourselves ashamed, desperate, and alone. To come up against COVID or other illnesses and and know we've nothing. Money can't buy our way out of it. Our fame can't buy our way out of it. We are desperately hopeless. Perhaps this morning as you hear the chief medical officer this week telling us that this pandemic will most likely keep going on for a year, perhaps you know what that feels like. You're hopeless. And yet wonderfully, this is the type of person that Jesus is interested in. It's not what we first expect, is it? But it's really important to see what happens next. So please get your Bibles. Open Luke 15. Look at verse 17. It says, when he came to his senses. Other translations say, when he came to himself. He said, what am I doing here? I should get back to my father. Of course, his motives aren't perfect. He's thinking, I'm really hungry here. There's food back there. I'll be a slave to my dad. I can't get back into that son relationship again. But maybe I'll get a, 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 I'll go back there. But he repents. No longer does he push the father away. No longer does he want him dead. He's quite willing to get back there. He knows he's done wrong. He knows that he's no claiming anything from him. But he knows that get, he has to get to stop this messing about and get back to his father. See, the sinner repents, and it's important for us to notice that. That it is about coming to our senses to see how foolish it is to run away from the Father. Because this is one really important thing we need to get about Jesus. Because he has not come to affirm sin. He doesn't just prefer worse people to better people or even the most disgraceful people than, you know, People like you and me, no. Jesus says, I've come for the lost. Those who recognize that they're in a mess, turn around and come back to the Father through him. Look, when a sinner repents. And actually that's, the good news is that's happening daily. Wonderfully, it happened to one of our parishioners last week. All around the world, people are coming home to God. Saying like this younger son, I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Wonderfully, 
joyfully, that is happening. Praise God. John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, which we just sang. Before becoming a Christian, he was a slave trader in the 18th century. He was a sinner, someone that if Jesus was having dinner with him, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law would certainly be tutting. But he repented. He saw his moral bankruptcy and he got down on his knees and repented before Almighty God. And actually he then worked against the slave trade. And he more wonderfully became a Christian and he wrote his own epitaph. John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long laboured to destroy. This is what we should be praying for in our church. This is what I've prayed for the last 10 and a bit years and what I will be praying for you. That you come home to God. This is what I pray that this church will be known for. A place that seeks out the lost. Because these are the people for whom Jesus came. He came for sinners who will repent. But what happens when a sinner repents? That's our second